Hi, and welcome to today's podcast, around 2.30 on Tuesday, September 13th. This is usually Alex's music, but no Alex today. We do have a guest who we've talked about on the show um, a time or two here and there, because last year, Alfonso Narvez was one of the candidates running for city council. He didn't get as far as I think he would like, and uh, during our, our visit, I told him, I'm glad he didn't get far because after you hear what Alfonso does uh, for his community and his neighborhood, he's probably doing more now than he could do on council. Uh, He is a great dude. I know a hundred times more about North Toledo and spots how and where uh, help is needed uh, than I did before visiting with Alfonso. So let's get to him now. I finally get to to meet a, a Twitter friend. I... I was thinking about this a, a long time, and I just want to make sure I get it right because names are important. Is it Narvaez? So it's Narvaez in Spanish and Narvaez in English. Narvaez. Okay. Narvaez. Uh, Alfonso Narvaez is finally here. We finally can meet in person. Good to see you. Yeah, good to meet you finally. Um, I, I saw this guy running for city council, <laughs> and uh, it, it didn't quite work out, but we'll come back to that. And now we talk on Twitter. We've got some of the same things to talk about. Can, can I hit you with the hard... And first of all, thanks for taking the time to come over here and visit while you're on vacation. I guess hanging with me is better than getting work emails, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you the tough question. Can I, can I ask you, um, you're a Lowe's guy. Um, what are some of the good things that that are about Lowe's as opposed to the other place? Uh, so Lowe's treats their employees really well. Um, from a pay standpoint and a benefit standpoint, Lowe's treats their employees really well. Um, and the culture there is just different. Um, it's more inviting. It's more friendly and... Uh, not to mention the discounts too that we get, but how much uh, are the discounts? Uh, it, it just depends on the item. It depends okay. on the store too. Okay. Um, it depends on management, but most of the time it's a really good discount. And Which one do you work at? So I'm in Perrysburg. Okay. Uh, uh, on Route 20? Yep. Okay. Uh, Fremont I'll Pike. have to pop in there sometime yeah. and say, I don't get down there as much as I used to, but when I do, I'll, I'll pop over and say hi. Um, how long have you worked there? So I've been with the company roughly two years, but the, I've been down there for about a year and a half now. Where else were you? Where were you before Lowe's? So uh, I spent six and a half years at Home Depot. Okay. Uh, the just, other place. Yeah. <laughs> decided to leave there. Uh, I needed a pay raise and uh, Lowe's offered it. Uh, my first Lowe's was actually on Central over in uh, Savannah Township. Mm-hmm. Um, great place there. Um, overall, the company is just fantastic. We're awesome. It's great to hear that. Um, I always take uh, an inventory of when I go places and, and try to do my business there if I can. Of, you know, you get it. You look around and you can see whether the employees are, are happy or not. You can pre- you can figure it out pretty quickly. So that's why. I mean, even if I didn't live down the street from Target, I would still patronize there. I know it's a big box store. People there seem to be treated well, like what you're talking about with Lowe's. Um, so you've just been there for two years. Oh uh, yeah, roughly. I had a, <laughs> a little midlife crisis in between, so uh, I left uh, Central. I went to Dollar General for two weeks as a store manager. Decided that wasn't going to work out. <laughs> then I went back to Home Depot for six months uh, to kind of find myself what I wanted to do. I was going to go decide to go back to school. Well, that didn't work out, and uh, uh, Depot the culture has has changed so much there. And very corporate. And, uh, very corporate. Um, it's gone. Just corporate all the way, and sure. the culture the culture was just so different, and it just wasn't a right fit. The timeline kind of strikes me, because this seems to all be happening amid the beginning of COVID. 
Uh, this was, yeah, uh, towards the end of COVID. So, uh, yeah, end of, or was it? End of, uh, 2020 into 2021. Um, you know, just, life was going on and I decided, you know, I want to try for something to try a little change and things happen. You know, you got to try things. Um, you know, I got a long life ahead of me and I thought, Oh, try this. And it just didn't work out. You live and learn. What, what was it like, uh, looking, going through the midlife crisis or whatever else and bouncing from job to job, uh, while there's a raging global pandemic? You know, I didn't find it that rough because we are in, this era of there's so many openings out there. Um, and personally, I, I like challenge myself. I like doing interviews, mm-hmm. job interviews, because I can see where my confidence level is at. I, I can see if I hit a home run or if, you know, whatever. So I, I had fun doing that. It boosted my confidence a little more. Uh, you know, then I got to find myself what I actually enjoy doing. Um, so I didn't find the pandemic was difficult uh, in, in, in that aspect. Um, but uh, in general, it was it's it's different. It's sure. doing doing Zoom interviews is is a little different. I I still have not gotten used to that. Right? Do you, do you have to do that for people that you're interviewing to bring on to your team? No, we have stopped doing Zoom interviews, but there are occasional uh, corporate meetings that we have to do Zoom interviews for. So that's still you know still getting used to. Tell me, um, how far did we go back in your timeline when you were working at, at Home Depot? How long ago did you start working there initially? Uh, I started there in 2013. Okay. Uh, you know, I started there part time. At the time, the culture was different. It was more inviting and more uh, opportunistic. Um, you could grow in that company. Um, so I worked there for six and a half years. Moved up to uh, department supervisor within a year, um, and just had fun with it. It was. Let me jump in with this. Going back to to then and to now, and you get to see a lot of people. You are. You're in the front lines. You see people all the time doing what you do. You, you are, you're, I think you're, you're manager, right? You oversee yeah. departments. Um, you get to interact with all kinds of people, people that we read articles about. Um, what is, what's your perspective on the the work culture now, um, from your perspective as as a lead, but also your employees? Because we see that everybody is is hiring and employees are bouncing from job to job. And a lot of people are having that kind of reflective time in their life. And I'm sure you're familiar with like the hot new phrase, which is quiet quitting and work your wage. So what's your perspective on all of this? You know, with the pandemic, uh, and I hate using that as an excuse, but it's changed a lot of people's minds about how how it goes and how, what job you're going to do. Um, so uh, for me, I like to sit down with my team personally, one-on-one talk with them about their emotions and gauge their mental stability. Um, cause the, you know, uh, customers are a lot more, I don't want to say angrier, but you get quite a few that are agitated, um, at, you know, stock, um, you know, uh, how dare you not have this? It says yeah. it's here on the website. What? Uh, you know, prices change daily. Yeah. And, so we get a brunt of that, and we have to explain that, hey, we don't make the prices, we don't control stock, you know, that's... See, so, this says Narvez, not low. Yeah. Let me go backwards real fast, because this is why I, I like the heck out of you so much. Um, you want to take care of what's going on in between your people's uh, ears. Where did you get that from? Oh, uh, that's... Uh, I think it just comes naturally for me, um, caring. I, it's hard for me to turn away when I see somebody... You know, when I when I see somebody not acting normal, so 
Um, Your helper. Yeah. I, then with Lowe's, we have a uh, as managers, we have to um, have quarterly sync-ups, as they call them, where I have to sit with every employee anyways. So I try to do them weekly, at least a couple of weeks, um, just to gauge where they're at. Because um, we are in that time period where the culture is different than what it was in general. Uh, people are... are um, it's different, and people get upset quickly. Sure. Um, and you know, my goal is to try to keep, keep you know, that's retention. I got to keep my people. Yeah. Because um, we're in that period where everybody's hiring, and it's competitive. You got Taco Bell paying seventeen dollars an hour on on Fremont Pike. You got, uh, I think Burger King's doing the same thing. So, the job market is competitive. Yeah. Um, so. My thing, too, is I got to look from a manager standpoint and say, okay, what can I do to, to encourage these people to stay and to let them know it is a good company to work for? So it, it's it's almost being a friend with them more than anything, sure. being more than a manager. It's, it's Just treating people less like employees and more like people. I've always yeah. said, um, as when I've gotten the opportunity to lead management and people to work um, with me, not, not for me, um, Sometimes I don't have to call you out or write a nasty email, but you know we're all in this together. We're all on the same team. And I like your strategy, your approach, and whether you know you're doing it or not, instead of the quarterly meetup, and that probably takes 30 minutes to an hour. If you do three to five minutes every week to just check in with somebody, one, they probably appreciate that. It makes the quarterly thing a lot easier. Yeah, uh, it makes it tremendously easier. Um, and it's a, it's the simple things like, you know, I get there in the morning, you know, greet everybody. How's it going today? You know, stand with them for two or three minutes and just having that morning conversation or that evening conversation, whatever it is, um, to gauge where they're at. And, uh, you know, I, cause you know, people are going to have bad days and I get that. Yeah. Um, but if you can start the day on a positive level, you know, that positivity can transfer to other people. It's the same thing with negative. When somebody is in a bad mood, that's like a cancer and it spreads. So yeah. my goal is to try to stop that so it, it doesn't spread. Um, what what kind of people are you looking for? And not that this this is here to be a commercial for Lowe's by any means, um, but what, what type of person do you want on your team? Who do you look for? Are there certain things when you get to chat with somebody for an interview, get to know them, certain things you, certain red flags or green flags that you look for and you're like, I want this person on my team. I don't want this person on my team. So I look for an open personality, um, somebody outgoing, someone better than me. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, somebody outgoing, uh, friendly. Because we deal with we deal with contract, we deal with everybody from a million dollar company to Joe Smo who's spending twenty bucks on a can of paint. So I'm looking for somebody that is willing to engage all types of levels. Um, but also, you know, uh, a self thinker, you know, problem solving. Um, cause there are days, you know, I can't be everywhere, in, everywhere at once. I, you know, uh, there are certain days that I'm manager on duty, so I'm walking the entire store. So I'm looking for someone that can problem solve on their own and make sure it's the right decision rather than calling, you know, for something simple. So, um, but that's what I look for in the interviews and the interview process is, is new to me because that, when I was a manager at Home Depot, I didn't do the interview process. We had HR, sure. uh, Lowe's Lowe's has got more fiscally conservative in that aspect. They're um, they're buckling, buckling, tighten the budget a little more, which is good. Um, so I've had to do interviews on my own, and um, so that that's getting used to and getting getting someone's uh, getting in someone's mind to see what they're looking for. Um, I had a kid probably about three weeks ago that I interviewed. 
he wanted to be a cashier and looking at his resume and all that, he was overqualified for a cashier. So I passed him on to another department. Um, and that's my thing too, is if someone has the ability to, to do other great things, I'm not going to hold them back. Sure. Um, you know, that's bad karma, but you know, move them on to something better. We, we all see these now hiring signs and I had to change the way that, that I think about this because th- there are signs everywhere. And, you know, I'll just use it like a random gas station. I see now hiring. Um, like, why, like, why would I want to work there? And then I have to remember that not every job is for everybody. Um, what, what's been your perspective with that? Are there different kind of perks or benefits that you can appeal to people almost right away? Have you started advertising like um, the hourly wage? Because if everybody just puts up a now hiring sign... I guess you've just got to hope, like, why did that cashier kid come to you as opposed to Target or Michael's or any or any, one of any other 50 spots on Fremont Pike? So with this kid, uh, he was interested in building materials, learning the craft. So that was a little different. Um, but I get some of the cashiers that, you know, they want to work a specific schedule, which is fine. I, you, we're willing to work around with somebody's schedule, especially the college, because I have a lot of college kids this year. Um, so we, that's one of the good things about retail in general is the flexibility. You know, if we want to work a four hour shift, you know, on Mondays, that's fine. We can, you know, that's more than, uh, than even with uh, the older people who just want extra money in their savings account. Sure. You know, if they only want to work six hours every couple of days, that's fine. So I think that's one of the perks. Um, and obviously Lowe's offers discounts, but there's also the training. You get to learn stuff. Um, when I started at Home Depot, I, did, I knew some of the basic stuff about working with tools. But to say, um, you know, how to change, how to do a tune-up on an engine, I didn't know how to do that. Uh, how, to, uh, how to use a chainsaw, I didn't know how to do that. But there, you learn your basic life skills at those retail departments, at those retail stores. So I think that is one of the benefits, too, is if somebody is willing to, to expand their knowledge, you know, they can go to Home Depot, Menards, or Lowe's and expand their knowledge greatly. Not by the, not only by the associates, but by the contractors. There's so many yeah. contractors that come in, and we've had contractors poach our talent, which sure. is, you know, it is it's what good, it is. It's good and bad. Yeah, it's good it's like, and bad. It's like when the Yankees when it comes on your player. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, and the way I, my philosophy has always been, you never know who you're going to talk to. You don't know what their background is. Uh, when I was at Home Depot, I treated this customer all the time well. And come to find out, he owns like a $5 million company here in the city of Toledo. I didn't know that. And we always had great conversations. And one day we went out to lunch. And, uh, yeah, he owns a $5 million company. So, like, you never know who you're going to meet. And that's why you treat him with respect. I have uh, a two and a half more, three more questions. Uh, and then we'll move off of the low stuff. But this has been fascinating to me. Um, I always like asking people about their jobs. Um, who... Who are you? Who do you feel, from your perspective, who are you missing from the workforce most? I know a lot of older people have not come back for COVID fears, or they're, or they're just like, you know what, I'm going to retire, retire now. And it hit me, and we discussed it on the podcast last week, and I, I think I threw it out on social. You might have seen it. It seems like what you just talked about, where uh, a lot of teenagers, like we grew up, and it's like we wanted to get our... I had to get a job if I if I was going to be able to pay my car insurance because I wanted to drive. It seems like we're missing some of those kids, but I also get those kids are more overwhelmed with school and after school activities than I think we ever were. So, who is missing from the workforce that was there before in your in your opinion? Uh, I, I think we're missing both the experience, but also the the students. Um, you know, it's 
because we can have all experienced people, but if they're not sharing their knowledge, then how are we going to build talent for the future? So I think it's, I think it's a matter of both. We're missing both. Yeah. Um, I know at my store, we're pretty, we're pretty good at experience and, mm. and a lot of students, but I know some of the other stores are suffering. Um, even my friends at Depot, they're, they're suffering over, they, they get new kids in and, you know, it's hard to train them because they're not in that mindset or their teacher is not a teacher. They're, yeah. it, they're, they're not hands-on. So and that was my problem. Uh, my second time at Home Depot is I didn't have a, had a I didn't have a good teacher. I, I didn't know enough about plumbing to get by. So, you know, I think that's, I think there's two parts that we're missing, the experience, but also the students to teach and let them pass on. And I know companies have a, have a big challenge where they would like to train people, um, and they want to bring them into the family, but they're they're so skittish and scared that they will invest all of that, all those resources, and then the people leave anyway for whatever the reason might be. Uh, my second to last question is: if you could offer some, what what would you? I don't, I, you're not the kind of curse out a customer, but what is some helpful insight you would like to pass along to? To anybody, you like you say to yourself when you're out shopping, you know it's have a little grace, have a little patience. Um, you know what's going on. What's what's something you like to pass along to people who are out shopping and um, being a consumer? You know, main thing is treat us with respect. Uh, I wrote an editorial during the uh, pandemic um, a couple of years ago about just treating us with respect. We are people. We are. Uh, we we have our own lives, and I know during the pandemic we were getting cussed at and yelled at, and like. You know, when we leave work, we got to go grocery shopping. We got to do all this stuff. And, uh, you know, from a mental aspect, you know, we don't know what's going on in somebody's mind. And so when, when I have a, a couple of months ago, I had a customer scream and yell at an associate and they just went to the back and started crying. And like, you know, just treat us with respect. I mean, that's all we're asking for. I understand that you're frustrated. You have a, a half a million dollar company and you need the product. But there are things that are out of our control. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much more understand. Do you think Do you think there has been more understanding? More people have grasped this as we've gone through COVID and people have really gotten it or some of the COVID things have just relieved? I think it's slightly gotten better. Um, it, it's, But I think it's become norm and that's what scares me a lot. That they, the customers can be jerks? Yeah. I think it's become the norm now. Um, cause even, you know, even just a couple of weeks ago, you know, our return policy is, is different and, you know, just getting people are, are upset about it. And so, but I think it's become the norm and that's unfortunate. Um, but we'll have to see how, how things go over time. You know, yeah, history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. So I would like to believe that this is just a phase that our country is going through and we'll pass over it. Uh, last Lowe's question. Give me a secret. Like, is there a certain day where certain things go on sale or a certain time of year I should grab something? Oh, that's that's a good one. <laughs> uh, that, that is a good one because Lowe's is really open and transparent. Um, man, that's, uh, that's a good one. Uh, so Black Fridays are, are really good for us. Of course it is. Um, but, like, there's a lot of oddball stuff that we don't sell. And most people... The average person who goes to Target or, or Walmart and all that really don't shop Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever. So I would say Black Friday, around around December and all that, come search, come look at us because there are some different products that, that we carry that are unusual. You know, the one year we carried uh, a power wheel, um, like 
we kept them on the, we had like four or five and we didn't sell them till like the end of December because people didn't know we had them. Right. So it's a little mm. oddball stuff like that. We're, um, Lowe's is known to buy what they call side stacks, which is those little, little wing or little stacks that are in the middle of the aisles. Um, Lowe's tends to buy them because they're cheaper by cost. So we get a lot of odd, oddball stuff. Um, we had those uh, round ice cubes. A lot of people didn't know we sold those. And round, like the kind used for whiskey. Yep. So, I wouldn't have guessed because I bought one of those exactly at Target. Okay. All um, right. And typically we we hold those. They're a little cheaper. I think I paid ten bucks for a two pack. So, um, but Lowe's tends to buy side sacks at a cheaper cost. Good to and, know. Good so. to know. All right, we'll jump away from this. What the hell? Why did you want to put yourself through the ringer, running through for for counsel? Oh, uh, that that's a simple reason. Um, you know, I just wanted to put a spotlight on some of the neighborhood issues. So I grew up in North Toledo, born and raised there, and uh, I just think better days are ahead. Um, I, you know, I look at what has been going on um, with the number of with the, the crime increasing, the number of blight, blighted properties. Um, so that's what came to light. I had no plans at at the earlier and early twenty one to do it, but then, you know, seeing the stuff go on, like something's got to change at least put a spotlight on it and so when i look at it you know win lose or draw no matter what i was going to do is i was going to put a spotlight and i'm glad i did what what did you learn um running for council so this time was a little different than my previous times i worked with a team this year or last year um so working with cardi george serrano and uh, a number of others so that was a little different for me um i was I guess I was more uh, chained a little bit, which is a good thing. I wasn't going out there doing my own thing. wasn't asking, wasn't just doing. I was asking questions to make sure I'm doing this right. Um, so it taught me stability. Um, that was probably the big thing is to make sure I know where my spot is, rather than going rogue and not working with the team. Um, so that was that was probably the biggest lesson I learned. You're you grew up in North Toledo. Where have you spent other parts of your life, or where do you live now? So I still live in North Toledo. Um, still, it's it's home for me. Uh, it's very hard to walk away from from that neighborhood. Um, and you know, I, I've I've had a great career in some aspects. Uh, I've could have taken jobs in Columbus. You know, I could have moved up uh, to one of the Lowe's or Home Depots in Detroit, but I stayed loyal. I stayed home. You love Toledo. Uh, yeah, it, it is home to me. And I'm five minutes from downtown. Um, I can jump on 280 and be anywhere. I can jump on 75 and be anywhere. Um, it's, it's the neighborhood itself is just so neighborly. Um, despite the crime, despite the, the bl- vacant properties on it, those neighbors are still there, are still neighborly. They're still friendly. They're still, they watch out for each other. Most of, most people in these awful neighborhoods, whether they're here or whether they're in Detroit or my, my home back in Philadelphia, you can take the most violent block in a neighborhood, in a city. And it's just a couple of people. Most of the other people would say, I don't, I don't want this here just as much as you don't want to read about it. Um, I'll come back to that in a second for just for, uh, for context. Where'd you go to high school? So I went to Achieve Career Prep Academy. The heck is that? Uh, it was, <laughs> yeah. So it was at the time it was at the Hamilton Building. Uh, it was the first year that they opened. So originally they were Alliance Academy, uh, that was at the Macomer Building, uh, charter school that had lasted like seven years. And through I don't know what they did, but it was some kind of mumbo jumbo that they had to legally change their name and get a new property. Hmm. Um, so they changed their name to Achieve Career Prep Academy. 
they moved to the Hamilton building. Um, I was valedictorian of that first class, which I'm proud of. <laughs> what high school would you have gone to? I would have gone to Woodward. But okay. I wanted something different. Uh, I wanted a little change. Um, yeah, I've always been one to do different. <laughs> uh, so I wanted a little change. And uh, Alliance taught me a lot. Um, it taught me that, you know, just because a kid is is going through trouble and being suspended or expelled, they still have an opportunity to, to learn. Um, so the school itself was probably, probably 90 to, or probably more than 90% African American. Poverty levels were high in that school. Um, those teachers dealt with a lot, but sure. at the same time, you know, I learned that these kids still have a chance. They deserve a second chance rather than being kicked out. And at the time, what TPS was doing was they were suspending people and you would go home and do your suspension. And Alliance at the time was suspension, but you'd be in school. So, and over time, I think public schools across the country have noticed that suspensions at home don't do anything. Yeah. Well, I think we all, I think we're roughly about the same age and I'll never forget in elementary school, I was like, hold on a second. That kid is in some serious trouble. You were going to send him home for three days. That doesn't make any sense. And now I know a lot of places and TPS is finally catching up with this. Not only are they not sending the kids home, they're trying to fix the problem um, themselves. Now, unfortunately, more of that responsibility has been put on them. Um, we've talked about a, a bunch on the podcast and otherwise how, uh, unfortunately, schools, principals, teachers, anybody at schools have taken on more of the the emotional responsibility that some of these kids don't have at home with their parents or whoever the guardian might be. There's a lot more counseling happening from your history teacher than ever before. Yeah, uh, and that's how the, the teachers at Alliance were was uh, they took care of the students. They, you know, some of those kids, man, they had some rough, rough things going at home, but the teachers always took care of them. Um, um, go to go back to uh, like your neighborhood, uh, like what the intersection or streets are you nearby, if you don't mind saying, or yeah, if you do. So, so the Greenbelt area, the, okay. uh, I'm, I literally, uh, if you know where the Toledo Correctional Center is, I can see it from my house. Okay. Um, so 280 area. Um, it's, a, you know, it's an interesting area. I, I've always enjoyed it. Jamie Farr grew in that, grew up in that neighborhood. Um, it's, it's been a, it's an interesting neighborhood. It's had its ups and downs over the years, but, um, when you were running for council to get attention on the area, um, and now jumping forward, um, a year, more than a year beyond that, what would you like to see done for the area so that it can be better for everybody and maybe, and maybe it pushes some of the crime out. So obviously I think, you know, the first things first is I think we got to focus on getting rid of the crime. And and a lot of people don't like that we have to have more policing, but in order to, to get rid of the bad stuff, we need to get, we need to have officers do their thing, but also we need community policing officers that know their beat, that know their neighborhood. And that's something that I think has been gotten rid of over the years, but it's come back a little bit. Officers that know their beat, but long-term solutions, mentorship programs, you know, that's got to be a big thing. Mental health, um, uh, health in general, um, adequate food sources, uh, housing stability. You know, those are things long-term that I think would benefit the neighborhood. Uh, then, you know, even economic development. Um, I, so Galena has, uh, Galena is one of those streets that uh, is between Summit and uh, Champlain that has, 
that has its up and downs. Uh, we, we got a San Marcos in the neighborhood probably about 10 years ago, and that's been fantastic for neighbor. Now we got a Metro PCS. So little economic developments like that do help, but more is needed. Um, even the simple thing of a laundromat, that's the one thing I get asked about all the time is how can we bring a laundromat into the neighborhood? Um, so I think long term, those are things that we need to do. But for me, the, the mentorship programs, because I do see a lot of kids doing what, what they do. I'm right down the street from Riverside School, and you see these kids when they get off, they're they're just they're trashing the neighborhood here and there. And so I, I think that's where we need to go, start with the mentorship programs and, and go from there. Have any of the mentorship programs, and they escape me at this uh, at this time, uh, Sean Mahone, Young Men and Women Women for Change, I think is one of them, connected with Sean a couple times. I can't remember his, I think it's just called the program, but Tremaine Rayford. Um, and these are groups that often inter- interact with, with black kids, African-American, minority kids in, the, in these neighborhoods. Um, and I know churches are important as, as pastors and religious leaders have, have a big impact on families and kids. Um, are those the types of things when you're talking about mentorship? What Beyond that, what else could be helpful? Because so, bored kids can be bad kids. Yeah. No, I, so I, yeah, programs like that, you know, I've always said that churches are the backbone to a neighborhood and no matter what religion you are or whatever, I think they're the backbone to our neighborhood because they, they can have that connection with the neighborhood. So programs like that, the after school programs are fantastic. Um, and Riverside School is actually a community hub now. Um, so that's been a fantastic thing, but uh, is your neighbor is the neighborhood we're talking about? Is it close enough to the Wayman Palmer YMCA, or is it too far away? Yeah, too far. Yeah. So, what would be like the local community center for where your neighborhood is? So, we actually don't have anything nearby. Okay, so we need um, something. Yeah, obviously, we need, right? Yeah, uh, we don't even have a library in the neighborhood. Anything like the nearest library would be the downtown library, or Point or, Place, maybe. Yeah, Point Place, or even the Lagrange. But yeah, it's, so it's still it's not walking distance. If somebody without even knowing what was going on in the neighborhood crime-wise. If you told me there was a Metro PCS and no laundromat and no library and no community center, I would immediately think this is probably a a rougher neighborhood, not the best neighborhood. Um, And that would be stereotyping in a way, but forget about the library, like community center, playground, whatever it may be, some some basketball hoops. there's nothing like that at all in the area. There's a set of basketball hoops at Jamie Farr, and I know that it's on uh, Summit, right? Yeah. I pass it on the uh, way to the point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there, there was the Friendly Center, um, which was a community hub too. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. That's been I've asked questions about it, and you know, there's uh, been some. There were some summertime events in the evening for kids at Jamie Farr, right? Yeah. Were they well uh, attended? They were, yeah. The one I remember going to was, I think, back in June. That was really well attended. Um, then the pool gets used too. Good. The pool's open, but yeah, I, I would say you know eventually down the road we do we should be planning a community center either on the property of Jamie Farr Park or somewhere nearby because I think that would benefit tremendously. Or even a a library would help because I, I go to La, to Lagrange Library quite often and I see the work that they do there and it just amazes me. Great. Which one is that? That is the corner of Lagrange and Manhattan. Okay. Um, Not familiar with it. Um, I met up with some people at the East Toledo Family Center, uh, I guess in the beginning of summer. And I don't know the east side as as well as I should. 
Um, I haven't spent a ton of time over there, but having seen that building and, and, and understanding who and what an, an Eastsider is and the tribal nature of that part of town, maybe more tribal and tight knit than any other part of town. Like, I think there's more pride when you say I'm an Eastsider than I'm a West Toledo person. Um, and I could see that place, having met uh, Jody and Shelby, like that place is the backbone of that neighborhood for what it provides from like healthcare to schooling to at, to basketball courts to barbecues and books like i could not imagine that place not being there and it 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 seems like other neighborhoods in town could use a place like that even if it's just a smaller version yeah uh jody does a tremendous job over there uh, yeah that that would be the backbone of that neighborhood uh, i i just trying to think now uh you have the eleanor k center over in uh, wesler that is somewhat it's getting better. Um, it's somewhat the backbone, but you still have community organizations that are territorial, uh, which I never understood why community organizations are territorial. But money. Yeah. It's uh, always money. <laughs> uh, There's more to do in general in West Toledo. And I know to me, maybe I don't, I'm, I haven't been here as long as you have, but there are certain times where I see a news story and I'm like, ah, is that really West Toledo? Is that really South? Like there's questionable. Ba- when I think of West Toledo, and again, this is just me. When I think of West Toledo, I think a lot of things around the mall. Now I know some things shoot over and down Sylvania, but the corridor you're talking about, I'm not super familiar with it, but there's not as much activity as there is in most places in West Toledo. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still an active area, but you know, I think there's like two or three community groups in that area. Instead of combining resources, they all work towards their own goal. So, but good people over there. I have nothing against them. I in think West Toledo? Yeah, West Toledo. And that would be the Willie's Parkway area. I think they call it the Library Village area, too. Okay. I think there's another name that they call it. Uh, and then there's the Five Points neighborhood. So, I, you know, it, I think it's great having those three organizations there. Um, but at the same time, I think we all should be working for a common goal and that is to improve our neighborhoods. And sometimes the things I've noticed is some groups have a completely different goal and then another group has another goal and it gets kind of cloudy. With yeah. it. And so the average person who, you know, who goes to these events get kind of gets confused. Sure. There, you're ta- that, that spot over there. I, I um, I just remember more to do if not for nothing more than um, I know there's a handful of churches and religious places in the area. You've got um, you've got the new Start Y over there in that general area, right? That's kind of the area yeah. we're talking off of Sylvania. Yeah. So um, yeah, it just seems like there's more to do in that area than where you are. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and people in Northville will often say that they are forgotten. Uh, I hate that that idea, um, but I, I understand where it comes from. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't leave neighborhoods behind um, to go backwards. And I know we may have had part of this discussion or we've read the same discussions. It seems like one of the very first, literally one of the very first steps to getting where you'd like to see your neighborhood and anybody's neighborhood for that matter be is getting rid of the blight and and the, uh, the unattended to homes and doing something with those. Where are you with with that? Like, how much would you like to see those places done something with? I, that's that's been our, our overall goal um, is to try to get blight cleaned up. Um, when I started, we started a block watch group in I think twenty ten, something like that. 
and we started doing neighborhood cleanups because the perception is some neighborhoods when they get a block watch that oh the block watch is a is a snitch group and it's, <laughs> and that that's what the perception is so we changed from we got rid of the name block watch and we switched to the North Toledo Coalition so that broadened our mission so what we started doing is doing neighborhood cleanups and what we noticed was that when we had monthly meetings we were averaging anywhere from 13 pages of crime stats down or up to 15 when we started doing the cleanups we went down tremendously. I think we got to down to three pages because we cleaned the alleys. Uh, we, pr- we probably did some trespassing too. We boarded up houses. You know, we did those things to make our neighborhood safer. And what that did was we got rid of the hiding spots for the drug dealers, the prostitution, um, the, the illegal dumping. You know, they, the illegal dumpers knew that, okay, we're cleaning it up and we're watching. So we got down to like three pages in, in, in a, couple, a couple of months, probably in a Probably in a 12-month period, we got down. You're talking about some really nasty and ugly-looking illegal dumping, but on a, on a smaller level, you're absolutely right. And something that we overlook, and this gets brought up sometimes when it comes to blight or wherever, but um, like litter is contagious. Um, if it's just a bag of Doritos that somebody throws on the ground, you know, it, it's very easy to throw another bag. And then before you know it, it's just, it's, it's trash everywhere, as opposed to picking it up. Like... Just taking away some of the eyesores, no matter the level, can really do a lot, as you've just illustrated. You guys were out on Greenbelt Parkway this weekend cleaning things up? Yeah, uh, yesterday we were out uh, just trimming bushes because the I did a cleanup a couple of days ago, on, on, I think on Sunday, just I had nothing to do. And I, for me, it's a mental, it's therapy. I can go out there and clean. So I got about three or four bags or whatever it was. And I noticed the bike path was overgrown the grass and all that so i called up a friend yesterday and i said let's go get the chainsaw out and trim bushes and that's what we did yesterday and the, the bike path looks a lot better it's clearer um, but some of the bushes were entrapments for trash yeah and so uh you know it, it, my philosophy too is it only takes a couple of minutes to pick up some trash you know get yeah. one garbage bag spend 15 minutes and when we were doing the cleanup on the I-280 bike path, which is right under the, the I-280 bridge, it's a, it stretches the entire thing, is we noticed neighbors coming out and doing their part because they seen – we participated in Global Youth Service Day. So we had – the first year we had like 30 kids. The second year we had like 45 kids. They started seeing we were doing something. So they came out, cut their grass, got the, the vacant property next to them. They cut their grass. So that was some of the things that we were doing, and we started seeing this inspiration. And that's what felt so good. Um, so things like that, I think, uh, go a long way. Blight is a is a low-lying fruit that can, you know, if we can get rid of blight, we can get rid of so many other things. You brought up a great point that I didn't even think about. And, and again, it's, if we do a lot of... Li- I think it's a Bill Belichick quote. Take care of the little things and the big things take care of themselves. And it's a little thing that, you know, I I can't thank you enough. And I admire the hell out of you for doing these kinds of things. When And I'm glad they're therapy for you. I wish somebody else whose job it was would do this stuff to your, but thank you for doing it. Um, but to your point, something I didn't even think about. The grass is high, so it traps trash. If the grass is not high, if it's cut and manicured as it should be, it doesn't, it, again, it it doesn't allow the eyesores to happen. And then just this little, the contagion in a good way effect. We think of uh, like Home Depot or Lowe's commercials where there's two suburban neighbors trying to vie for the best lawn. 
anybody can 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 try to have a better house than their neighbor because they want to make it nicer and whatnot. It's just that little spark that you guys seem to have had, and I I hope that spark catches flames. Yeah, and and you brought up you know the Lowe's thing. Um, so that that's the other thing that we try to do too is to try to build partnerships with other organizations. And uh, so the one year we helped out in East Toledo, the other year we helped out in Westfield, it's building those partnerships. Um, and so I take what I do in my community stuff and I, I try not to mix it with work because the work is work. But uh, about a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, we get a call from Navarre Elementary. They needed a who's, water. Who's we? Uh, the Lowe's Management. Okay. Uh, Lowe's Management, uh, Cedar Creek Church approached us. They were looking to buy a washer and dryer for uh, Navarre Elementary uh, at a discounted price. And I pass it on to my my immediate manager. Then um, I get a call the next day, hey, can you schedule media and all that? And so we took a washer and dryer to, uh, to Navarre Elementary free of, free of charge. And that, those... Those things like that help inspire a neighborhood mm-hmm. and to, to make the delivery and to see the smiling faces of, of management over at uh, TP, or, uh, Navarre Elementary, like stuff that matters to them. Yeah. And it's a, it, to me, you know, it's something that we take for granted, you know, especially me. I, I, I wash clothes every day, but there are kids there in that neighborhood that don't get don't get that luxury to wash their clothes every day. And the school is providing that for them. So uh, um, that that was one of the things that the company I, I I took pride in, but like for for us the organization, you know it's it's having those those resources branching out to those partnerships, and saying hey you know we have some skills but you have some other skills let's combine them let's do different things. Um, the one year we fed pancakes to the neighborhood and we partnered with we again is work oh no uh, my organization so the North Toledo Coalition okay we we fed pancakes to the neighborhood. Um, and that was more of just to have a conversation with the residents, no matter what it was. It could, it, I think there were some that were talking about football, the high school football team. It was just to have that conversation with them and to let them know that they are not forgotten, that there are people working in their neighborhood. So, uh, and obviously the pandemic hurt us, you know, people weren't coming out, but we still maintained, we were still doing different things. We did, uh, Lowe's had donated sanitizer. They were uh, corporates that donate hand sanitizers to, to groups, so we took some to uh, uh, the Sablocki Center Center on, uh, on Lagrange. Uh, then same thing to the library. We were doing different things like that during the pandemic, even though we couldn't physically meet people. Uh, the one or the the One Village Council, the North Toledo Coalition, and Lowe's were still participating in these neighborhood activities. Um, so you know, it's for me. That's what I take pride in is to help those that, you know, that are less fortunate. You're a helper. Um, I think one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you today was understand the North Toledo Coalition. Because you do all this great stuff, and I wanted to know, and I, I see people with you helping out. Um, I just wanted to know if there was a larger thing there where more people could get involved to help you out. So... Means you want more people to help the North Toledo Coalition? Oh, is there a Facebook page? Like, uh, is there? How can people follow this so they can get involved? Yeah, they can always reach out to me on my Facebook or Twitter. Um, we're always looking for people to volunteer, even if it's for an hour. Like, I, uh, I'll provide the supplies. Uh, heck, I'll even take you to lunch, uh, just to get out there. Just uh, to, even if they want to tour the neighborhood to see what we're doing. Um, and to see the progress that we're doing. Um, if you've been following my Facebook page, 
you know, we've been helping this veteran that has gone through some housing Saw issues. This. And we finally, we were able to fix a concrete issue over the weekend. We partnered with uh, Salem Lutheran Church. Uh, they organized the contractors, and uh, I was able to get the the the, uh, the person that we're helping get them organized and uh, stuff like that. So it's it's doing that and expanding our our mission because uh, that was something that you know six months ago I had no idea of how to even start with the VA process and to learn that process to work with um, uh, to work with uh, Toledo Public School or. Uh, uh, TSA, Toledo School for the Arts, to work with Pastor Mike at Salem, and to contact the VA and to organize this was it was something different for me. I, I never didn't, did anything like that. And uh, just the research that we were doing to find out that there's a VA voucher for veterans, you know, I didn't know that, you know, um, but it's it's researching and finding those programs, uh, for, you know, finding food sources for them. Um, so it was stuff like that. And uh, I, take, I, I take pride in that, that I got to learn something new. Um, so if it if it does come up again, which it, it will, we will have to help out another veteran because um, that's just the way the neighborhood is. Uh, but we learned new things. We learned how to how to get these resources for people. I I can't thank you enough for doing all, all the stuff for a part of town that really is not on my radar. But we all you know stay on our shelves and, and, and whatnot. I care a heck of a lot more now about South Toledo than when I lived downtown. It's just we love our neighborhoods. So thanks for doing it. I. I, I think we both know that uh, we wish you did not have to do this because it is not your job. It is government's job um, and different utility places that are employed by governments to do what you are doing. Um, and you shouldn't have to do it. But I'm glad that you do. And I, I think I told you this where it was somewhere on Twitter. I'm, I'm kind of glad you didn't get to go further into city council because I find you more valuable doing this than getting sucked into the politics of city, city council. Yeah, and I've thought about that. I, I, you know, if I was the win and all that, I thought like, it, would it be worth it? No, I, I enjoy what I'm doing now. I have the freedom to do what I want. I can. And you're making a difference. Yeah. you're making uh, a difference. Not, not the council doesn't. It's a different kind of difference. But you being out there and being that spark and getting other people to come out and join you, and that's why I'd like to. Like, do you know how many people actively participate in the North Toledo Coalition? Uh, we range anywhere. It just depends on the time frame. Uh, you know, when we do Global Youth Service Day, we can get anywhere from 35 kids uh, all the way up to 45, 50 kids. On average, right now, I have about five people that I can call and say, "Hey, you know, can you help me with this real quick?" And well, you like, know. I'd love to help you find a way. And again, I don't have the context there that you do, but I'd like to spread the word. Like, let's get that to. To 20, to 20 people that you can call to and just grow it and grow it and grow it. And that's why I think you're so much more valuable than sitting in council meetings. <laughs> um, let me switch gears. We'll get, we're getting close to wrap, uh, wrapping up here. Uh, give me your grief, which I think many others uh, deal with. The cost and frustration with insulin. Oh, uh, insulin is just, it's terrible cost-wise. Uh, and the fact that our politicians in Washington voted against capping it at $35 is ridiculous. Um, so I go through about two pens a week, uh, and that's the meal insulin, which I have to take every time I have a meal. Uh, my daily insulin, I go one pen a week. So I, I just dropped $200 over the week, uh, over the weekend, just on basic, uh, insulin and pills and, um, and, uh, just the medication. Like our, our healthcare system is not cheap. 
for the average person. And Lowe's gives gives me great insurance. I yeah, love I my insurance. Um, but at the same time, like it is ridiculous. Um, and just so I, you know, I'm always open about my my issues. You know, I suffer from bipolar. I take Latuda. Latuda does not have a generic yet. And without insurance, it's fifteen hundred dollars, which is ridiculous. Uh, with insurance, it's roughly seventy eighty dollars for thirty but, for thirty days for thirty days, which is still that's a lot. It is. Um, that's uh, it's like two fifty a pill. Uh, yeah. So you know, the whole oh, you got to wait, you got to wait five or seven years or whatever it is for a generic to come out is ridiculous. You know, we have too many. I, I get companies want to make profit, but at the same time, if these are proven prescriptions that they can help people there shouldn't have to be any restrictions people should have especially in a first world country you should be able to have access to affordable health care you've uh, you've tried other medications before i'm sure right before you got to latuda yeah um yeah i've tried a couple of them and that's the thing with the mental illness you you don't know until you try mm-hmm. um and it's the same thing with any drug you don't know what works for you until you try it and um but again, you know, it, we're a first world country. We should not be having these issues. People should not be having to choose between their medication or rent or food or anything like that. Um, and I, I'm grateful for that, for my job that pays well and I, I can afford it, but I can see other people struggling. Yeah. And, well, when you talk about the insulin stuff, I, I, I have known people my entire life that have had the same issues as you and I'm acutely aware of the cost of it and how and how many people have to deal with that cost um i can't ever say i've come across lots of people who have reasonable insurance and like yeah you know my copay's manageable blah 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 but i've never heard anybody and maybe these people do exist go you know what my insulin stuff it is cheap as anything man i am never leaving my insurance it's always the cost and the expense and the headaches that you go through with it yeah, it's um, and I I heard some people going to Canada for it, like we but are then, we are close. Yeah, but then you know <laughs> the passport and all that. But you know it's still people. Should, it just shouldn't be that way. That okay, we have to go to another country to get meds. Like to me, that just sounds ridiculous. Right. Um, yeah. Hopefully things get better, but I I, I don't see it happening. I, I see costs continuing to go up. It sucks. It sucks. Uh, and, you know, you hear the, the theory, well, if, if you don't like being on insulin, then maybe you should lose weight. <laughs> Mine is not a weight thing. Mine is hereditary. Yeah. My mother had it. My grandmother had it. Like, it's not something I can I can just get rid of. You know? Right. Um, last couple of questions. The fun things. What's your favorite restaurant? Ooh, that's a tough one. So, uh, my favorite Mexican restaurant is uh, El Vaquero on Secor. Uh, okay. Fantastic food. Uh, I get the number 30, which is uh, marinated pork, so that's really good. And I know people are going to hate this when I say it, but Hooters has the best wings in town. Okay. Uh, I, you know, Despite the view, uh, their wings are really, really good there. Okay. So those are my two. Uh, pizza places? Ooh. Uh, so I know there's a story behind the two, but I like Amy's and Geno's. Yes, they're very similar, and I know the yeah. story behind it, but Amy's and Geno's, Franchise Rise... Uh, Marcos, what's what's taking so long for this raising canes to open on twenty? I, I don't know that. That's that's. <laughs> an, I've never had raising canes, so I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm. I like chicken. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not. So I have. There's a Chick Chick Fil A right there next to us. I'm not a huge fan. So uh, chicken is chicken. You're gonna so. have to show up an hour or two early for work when that raisin canes <laughs> finally opens, or you have to take the back way in, like coming up from Woodville or something. Yeah. When that place opens on twenty, it's gonna be sheer hysteria. 
Oh, even the uh, the was it Clovers or with that the Culver's. Bur- Culver's? Yeah, when they open up, I mean that's it's going to be packed. Yeah, yeah, it's like they follow each other. Um, anything else you want to you want to do? You like sports? So uh, yeah, I'm sort of a baseball fan. Uh, Guardians, sort of, Cleveland, Tigers. Uh, no, oh, Tigers. Yeah, okay. oh yeah, Tigers all the way. Very painful uh, this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like my Michigan Wolverines. Okay. Um, but not a huge sports sports fan. I'm. For me, I'm a huge history fan. Um, I like my history. I can sit there for hours and, and learn about it. And um, and so, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I like my cigars, my bourbon. You do like your cigars. Uh, you know, so it's... What bourbon? Uh, so I got into Basil Hayden. Okay. Uh, it's an expensive bottle, but it is well worth it. Um, but yeah, it, I'm a simpleton at, at best. Uh, I like to sit there on the porch, listen to music, uh, just chill out. What's your liquor store that you go to? Oh, uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, so I like Joseph's. Joseph's okay. is, Isn't that out of the way for you, though? It's a little out of the way, but you know, you get the it's a good quality. Okay. Um, the Kroger's, the Kroger's that have the liquor liquor stores right. are are decent too. Um, My choice is I've been I I went on kind of like a bourbon and whiskey hunt. Um, when I outgrew some things, I don't want to drink Bullet anymore. Um, so I landed on Elijah Craig. I've tried expensive ones. I've tried less expensive ones. And I really like Elijah Craig. It is great quality and great value for the cost. Mm-hmm. So you said Basil Hayden? Yeah, Basil Hayden. I'll give it a try. And, and that was you know, the, how that came about was a little funny was we we did a Secret Santa at work uh, last year. And uh, uh, we had to put our name in three things we like. I'm not doing that. I just put my name on there and that's it. They can figure out the rest. And so uh, I get to work one day, I think it was Christmas Eve, and I see this giant box. I'm like, okay, I'll take it home and open it. And yeah, somebody got me some bourbon, which, okay. Mm. And I didn't know much about the, the brand, but then researching, like, that's an expensive bottle of bourbon. So uh, whoever my secret Santa was went out went out their way for that. <laughs> Absolutely the last question. What's your favorite era in history? Oh, there's too many to pick from. Uh, Top three. Uh, whew. Uh, Again, too many. Um, so I like the Revolutionary War period, the okay. Civil War, uh, the '60s are is an interesting time period in our country. We're reliving I, them. Yeah, we're reliving them. That's what's so interesting now. History uh, repeats, like you said. It, it always does. Always does. Uh, there are a couple of uh, Yale courses I listen to on Apple Podcasts. One I've listened to over and over again. Uh, Professor David Blight. He is uh, like the foremost person on civil war but specifically frederick Douglass. um just great to listen to like as far as like like appeal um but so knowledgeable and one thing he repeats over and over throughout the course is revolutions always cause counter-revolutions so when something happens something happens to come and we just get into this cycle and yeah it's the 60s all over again uh uh there's a great documentary i forget what it's called but uh kareem Mal- kareem uh, does a uh, the basketball player I forget Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm not butcher it, but uh, he mentions that uh, protesting is in our DNA, and when you look at history, how this country started, it is really protesting, and so when people say oh it's wrong or whatever, you have to look at history, and it is in our it's in our DNA to speak up and say hey we're not going to do it this way we're going to do it this way. That's what got us to do a lot of trouble at the outset of the pandemic. Yeah. Pro, 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 <laughs> and, and I get it. You're absolutely right. You know what else is in our DNA? Slavery. Yeah. We got a lot of things in our DNA. We got a lot of work to do still. Yeah. Alfonso Norvez. Finally, get to meet you face to face. 
How many more days of vacation you got left? Uh, I got a couple of days left. Awesome. Thanks for so. spending it here. And so look for you on social, not North Toledo Coalition. Yeah, no, look for me on, on social. You got to make that page. Yeah, uh, that's the plan. <laughs> you got to make that page. Spend some time on vacation to make that. Um, I think people might might be happier to access that than uh, just some stranger. It's a business. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a name. What was it called before? The Block uh, Watch? It was called a Block Watch. Where Toledo uh, Coalition works. Yeah. Say what you are. Yeah, and that's what we are. We are coalition neighbors. We are advocates for our neighborhood. Awesome. Well, thank you for being that, and thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. We're done. Awesome.